uh, morning Bethel Church. Uh, we're saddened to not be with you in person today, but as you can probably hear, we've been recovering from a virus, not COVID, thankfully, and thought it best just to stay distanced today. Uh, but I am excited that we can look at Philippians 1 together. Uh, it's a fantastic passage uh, where we see the joy of working together to advance the gospel. Uh, so let me pray for us, and then we can look at the passage. Father, we just give thanks uh, that you are our God. We thank you that you, in your great mercy, have sent your Son uh, to be our Saviour and our Redeemer. Uh, We thank you that you have um, enabled us to declare your praises as you have called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. And we thank you that you go on working in our lives, growing us more into the image of Christ your spirit's work. We pray today uh, you would help us to hear your word and to respond, Lord. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts which will believe and obey what you have to say to us. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Well, as we start today, I've got a question for you. What is the day that you're currently living for? Uh, If we came around to your house after church and we looked at your calendar, what day would be marked with a big red X? I know the year's just beginning, but maybe for some it's the day of the next holiday. Summer holidays go too quickly every year, don't they? Uh, For others uh, that maybe are studying, is it the day of graduation that you're looking forward to? Uh, For some who are toward the end of our working careers... Is it that great and glorious day of retirement? Maybe for others, though, it's just the day where we'll finally see our friends or family again who might live interstate or overseas. I think for a lot of us in Adelaide, we had the 80 or 90% vaccination mark in our calendars when our lives were meant to become a little more normal, uh, but that hasn't seemed to eventuate. What day are you living for, Bethel Church? In our passage today, uh, written by Paul and Timothy, uh, we see that the day they are living for is the day of Christ. Uh, It's mentioned actually twice in the passage, in both the thanks and the prayer. And what they mean by this is the day of Jesus' return to rule and reign, uh, where there will be no more death, mourning, crying or pain for believers. Uh, It will be a day of judgment and terrible for some but also a glorious day of salvation. And this is the day that Paul and Timothy are focused on. It's the day that all Christians actually should look forward to and live in light of. The reason I say this is because in today's passage, we see that Paul and Timothy aren't just writing to the keen Christians or the church leaders, but they're writing to every Christian in the church at Philippi. Read with me from verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians is a letter. It's a letter we get to read from Paul and Timothy to the church. And I love how it's addressed to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Um, This is a great description of a Christian a saint, a holy one, who is in Christ. 
Paul actually began the church in Philippi. Uh, We heard this read in the account in Acts 16. Uh, We see that Philippi is a leading city in Macedonia. It's a Roman colony. And we meet Lydia, the first person to believe in the city. Uh, She's a worshipper of God, but she still needed the Lord to open her heart to pay attention to the message that Paul was proclaiming. Uh, We see that Paul's thrown in prison, uh, but later the prison guard and his whole household hear the word preached and they believe in the Lord Jesus. Acts 16, we see the gospel proclaimed and the church in Philippi form. It's likely that Paul actually writes about 10 years later, as it's quite a young church, but a church that seems to be going well. Now, Philippi is um, a city that's situated in northern Greece today. Uh, It's named after King Philip II, and if there's any history buffs in your church, uh, you'd know that's the father of Alexander the Great. So it's actually a very historical and famous city. Uh, And in Paul's day, it had been developed by the Romans and was a major city, and it was particularly a place that Roman soldiers would go to retire. Why was that? Because it was near the coast, like Victor Harbour, Wallaroo, where people go to retire today. Um, But the reason that's significant is because there were so many Roman soldiers in the city, or ex-Roman soldiers, it was a place that was extremely loyal to Rome. And this would cause problems for the Philippian church, because questions would be raised. Who are you loyal to? Who is number one that has your allegiance? Is it the emperor or your God? And actually much of the letter, or parts of the letter, Paul warns the church about suffering for the gospel. Just like Christ suffered, like Paul is now suffering in prison, so the church too would be persecuted. And this is why the day of Christ is so significant. Because if you're someone who just focuses on the here and now, this life, you quickly walk away from Christ when suffering and persecution comes. But if you're a Christian who focuses on the day of Christ, who is looking forward to your future inheritance, that will help you endure through whatever trials may come. Philippians is a letter written to the church, and in verses 3 to 11, we see Paul share both what he gives thanks uh, to God for the church about, and then he shares what he's going to pray for them. So firstly, we see what Paul thanks God for. Uh, Read with me from verse 3. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul thanks God for their partnership in the gospel. This is why he prays with joy. He says from the first day until now, likely because the first day, meaning he was the one that uh, was involved in proclaiming the gospel to them, and they have joined with him since then in that work. And now the gospel is the good news about Jesus. It's the news that God has intervened in history, sending his son to die for our sin and raising him to new life, that he would be the Lord and Saviour. And this is good news because it's how we can be reconciled to God and redeemed by him. How we become his people. It's good news for us. It's the good news about 
Jesus Christ. And Paul thanks God for the Philippian church's partnership in the gospel. And this word partnership, it's an interesting one. It actually gets translated in different ways in scripture. Uh, It comes from a Greek word called koinia, and at points it's translated partnership, fellowship, sharing, or even participation or contribution. Now, I think fellowship is possibly a little unhelpful here because we often call our after-church morning tea or lunch a fellowship time. And it's true that it's picking up there's a relational connection we're having, which is a good thing. And it can even be a time of us encouraging one another in Christ. Uh, But I don't think it's what Paul is thanking God for here. And there's a scholar called Carson, and he says, The heart of true fellowship is self-sacrificing conformity to a shared vision. Now, the shared vision that Paul and this church has is of the gospel, of working together to advance the gospel. Uh, The rest of Philippians 1, we see this active work where Paul and the church share this message of Jesus. They proclaim it, they defend it, and they confirm it. So in a way, I think actually participation is a great translation because it highlights the active work together of proclaiming the gospel. Paul is thanking God for the Philippians because they work together with him. And actually, in the book of Philippians, we see what this looks like. Uh, In chapter 1, we just see the communication between the church and Paul, the encouragement, that is, but also the prayer for one another. In chapter 2, the church sends Epaphroditus, just one person, to physically work alongside Paul. Now, I don't know if anyone at Bethel is having a baby anytime soon, But may I commend Epaphroditus as a great name. Uh, He's got such high accolades in scripture. Paul calls him a brother, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, and someone that should be honoured as he nearly died for the work of Christ. Epaphroditus was from Philippi, and the church sent him to work together with Paul. Uh, Chapter 4, actually, we see that the church financially provides for Paul to enable his ministry. This is one of the ways they partner in the gospel with him. Uh, The church was actively working together with Paul, and because of this, he gives thanks and prays with joy. Now, I go to a church in West Croydon, and um, I was reflecting, actually, just recently, on how do we do this as a church? How do we partner in the gospel? And I thought one of the best examples last year was in our kids' ministry. Uh, We have something called Croydon Kids, which is a fortnightly program. Uh, but there was one particular day where the leaders ran a 12-hour holiday program. That's a lot of work. <laughs> um, one of the great things about it, though, is it enabled so many different people in our church to participate in this work of proclaiming the gospel. So there were the leaders who were there throughout the day, sure, but then others came and helped cook food. Some cleaned the church beforehand and afterwards. Some helped with the planning. Some prayed. I think most people prayed, actually. Uh, Some gave money to resource the day. Some provided content as they gave talks from the Bible or led games or even just invited kids to come along. Uh, It was such a fantastic day of just seeing so many different people in our church working together with this shared vision of proclaiming the gospel. Now, I've heard Bethel uh, runs the Authentic Life course. I wonder if this is one of the ways that you do this to advance the gospel enabling many people in your church to participate in different ways together, but with this shared vision. Uh, You'll know if you've been involved in this, is that this work of advancing the gospel, 
is tiring. It will require sacrifice. Uh, But we find as we serve our Lord together, we find great joy. Uh, All praise with joy because of this partnership. In verse 6, we see that Paul um, shares quite an amazing prayer. Uh, He says that he is sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ. Wouldn't that be such an encouragement to read as a Philippian Christian? That Paul, the great apostle, was confident that God, who's begun this work of salvation, will bring it to completion. A key fruit, I think, of this work of salvation is the church was actively working with him. Um, And a great encouragement as we do this work of advancing the gospel is that we're not doing it on our own or in our own strength, but it's something that God has enabled. God has begun the good work in us, which leads to good works out of us. And as Paul reflects on this, he has the day of Christ in mind. As we work to advance the gospel, as he thanks God for the Philippians and the fruit that is evident in their lives, he is looking forward to the day of Christ, knowing that God will bring to completion the work he's begun. Now, verses 7 and 8 almost seems like a bit of a digression. Paul said his prayer of thanks. He's encouraged the church. But now he just describes how he feels about the people. It's quite emotive, very relational, even gooey language. And it might make us feel a bit uncomfortable to speak like this about others in our church. Paul says, I hold you in my heart. I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. What this shows us is that partnership in the gospel is no cold business partnership. It's a partnership that's built of deep affection, of love, of unity because of the gospel. Because each person working together is a recipient of God's grace. So Paul thanks God and prays with joy because of their partnership in the gospel. So for us today, in 2022... I think a key part of our experience of joy as Christians will be found as we work to advance the gospel. Now, for a lot of us, if we were asked to give five words to describe 2020 or 2021, I don't think joy would be on our list. But joy will not be found going back to a pre-COVID life. Joy and rejoicing are key themes in Philippians, yet the author is in prison. The church is being warned about suffering for the sake of Christ. And yet so easily, Paul and Timothy write about experiencing joy. The joy that is known, found in knowing and serving Jesus. In chapter 1 we see that joy is experienced as we partner and participate in the work of advancing the gospel. And you will know this from your experience. As you've seen someone come to faith in Christ... Or maybe somebody strengthened and encouraged. um, And in God's grace, he has used you in that work. You'll just be delighted about that. I think one of the greatest experiences we have is seeing a loved one come to know Christ. And the enduring feeling of joy that that brings. As we know their entire eternity has changed. They're brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of darkness light the kingdom of Jesus and isn't it amazing that God the Father in his grace 
allows us to participate in this, in his work of exalting his son. So Bethel Church, my question for you today is how will you work together as a church this year to advance the gospel? And as an individual in Bethel Church, what is your part to play? It will look different for different people. Uh, but we're all involved in this great work of advancing the gospel. It's funny that for many of us, we will come up with these New Year resolutions, which aren't all bad, but they can often be so self-focused and short-sighted. Uh, but if we're people who live in light of the day of Christ, knowing that Jesus is coming to judge the world, but also to bring salvation to his people, we will be working to advance the gospel. So how this year will you participate in that work, church? And we don't do it because we're chasing joy. Uh, we do it because we want to honour and serve our Lord. And as we focus on him and his work, we do in his grace experience this great joy. So Paul thanks God and prays with joy because of the Philippian church's partnership in the gospel. Uh, but then we see his prayer for the church. And it is a gospel-centred prayer, isn't it? Uh, let me read verses 9 to 11 for us. Paul says, It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul prays that the church would be characterised by love. And not a love that is just sentimental and feeling and wishy-washy, but a love abounding with knowledge and discernment. This is a thoughtful love, an intentional love, a discerning love that is growing. I think we understand um, that when we have insight, knowledge, discernment about somebody, we're better able to love them. I love spicy food. I would love to cook Tess spicy food for dinner to express my love for her. Except Tess does not love spicy food. So a love that's abounding in knowledge and discernment, all discernment, tells me that it's not loving to cook Tess spicy food. But James Craig, I know he loves spicy food. It would be loving for me to drop off a spicy luxer to James. It's a bit of a silly example uh, but knowledge and love should work together. As we better know someone and their needs, we're better able to love and serve them. And Paul prays that this church, as they work to advance the gospel, that their love would abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment. And in verse 10, we see why. He says, So that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Paul prays that they may approve what is excellent, that they may know what is best. And that's a great prayer, because there's so many decisions we face each day uh, as individuals, which actually only become more complicated when you think about a whole church making a decision, um, that are just difficult to make. So Paul prays that they might approve what is excellent, but ultimately so they would be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. In our world, often love is the ultimate end. Like a quite wishy-washy love too. Like whatever you do, it doesn't really matter as long as it's generally characterised as a loving action by the majority. 
But Paul's prayer is different. Love is not the end. He prays that their love would abound, yes, but so that they would be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Paul's end is living in light of the day of Christ. The day when Jesus comes to judge and also save his people. This day should spur us on. It should impact how we live our lives. That we would honour the Lord, work to advance the gospel, to live our lives for his sake. But I love how Paul concludes his prayer. He does pray that their love would abound so they would be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. But in verse 11, he reminds them where their righteousness is found. He says that they would, he prays that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Isn't this a great reminder and comfort that as we serve the Lord, as we look to advance the gospel, these things do not make us righteous. We're made righteous through Jesus and his work for us. Through his life, death and resurrection. This is why the gospel is great news. We're granted, we're credited with Christ's righteousness. There is work for us to do, yes. It is tiring work that will require sacrifice. But this work is not the thing that gains our righteous status before God. Before we do anything, God gives this to us through Jesus Christ. So Paul prays that the fruit of this righteousness that comes through Jesus would be evident in the Philippian church as they live their lives to the glory and praise of God. So one thing to note about this prayer, when we read it, <clears throat> it's easy for us to read it as a singular, you know, that I would be a loving individual maybe. But in the original language, all of this prayer is plural. It's corporate language. Paul's praying that the church together would abound in love. The church would corporately approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And that the church would do all of this to the glory and praise of God. So Bethel Church, this year, as you serve the Lord, as you work to advance the gospel, may I encourage you to pray this prayer regularly for your church? corporately, that your love would abound with knowledge and discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I began today by asking, what day are you living for? It's great to have special days in our calendar. Days to celebrate key milestones, birthdays, graduation days. Are these are good things in God's kindness, gifts from him, whatever those days are. But for every Christian, in our thinking, in our actions, we should be characterised by living for the day of Christ. Don't mark it in your calendar. We don't know when Christ will return. Uh, but this day is something that we look forward to and that we live in light of as we serve the Lord, advancing the gospel. As we finish today, um, I might just pray for Bethel Church, uh, but it's been a real honour to um, share the word from Philippians 1 today. And I, yeah, I hope this passage will be precious to you 
uh, both in this coming week and this year and even for the rest of your life. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for uh, your saints in Christ Jesus at Bethel Church. Um, Father, I thank you for the way they have been working to advance the gospel um, and just here in, in this last year how there are things like authentic life um, and just other work in the church, uh, just serving our Lord and looking to share and proclaim Christ in their community. Um, pray for this year ahead, Lord. I pray that uh, Bethel uh, would abound in love more and more uh, with knowledge and all discernment uh, so that the church may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, uh, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And may all of this, Lord, be to the glory and praise of you. Amen.